10 minutes, I will, or even less, I will pick a genre and defend them. And welcome to Earbuds and Earworms. I'm Amy. What really is a genre anyway, Shepard? And this is... Mitchell Manley, give me Sky or give me death. <laughs> um, is it Brooklyn Nine Nine? Oh, has... I believe yeah. The the gif of Andy Samberg like Sky is my identity, and I'll never turn my back on Sky. It was like ten years earlier or right, something yeah. like that. I don't know. I'm pretty sure I've used it as a drop before. Yeah, it's good. I think we did a Ska show at one point. I'm not sure that we've done a full Ska show, but. Oh. I can't believe we have I remember that. we we've talked I think Craig hates ska, right? Yes, but Christy loves ska. Right. And I think that you kinda have to just ska is something you have to love and accept as it is. I agree. And you have to understand that they do understand that it is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, and there's also there's good ska. You know, uh Mary posted in the thread. She didn't post a ska song, but she's just like if you don't like ska, there's really no hope for you, you know. You're not right. going to listen to reason probably. Well, you see, it's it's one of those scientifically designed to be likable. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so like you're pushing against it if you don't like it. You're just like intentionally going against the the flow. Like that they're you're doing it on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when People like really hate pop music, mm -hmm. and it's scientifically made for people to right. love it. So if you don't like those, was it major chords and four on the floor beats? Yeah, there's and it's no like, hope. You can I can understand you get tired of that stuff after a while. You want to hear something unique, but like those forms are just built into our brains, and we we respond to them, you know, yeah, biologically or whatever. So yeah, it's whatever cave people like <laughs> right but this week of course is genres yeah just like defend a genre that people might have something bad to say about or a genre that people don't often talk about that you're into and and like one song yeah to like defend sum it, it up yeah. yeah so i felt like that was hard to do yeah it was a little tougher than i thought it was going to be but I, I i liked the challenge i like having to kind of think about yeah. what i'm gonna do you're usually like you usually have your song like yeah. So, it usually comes to me pretty quick. Yeah, and I felt I I felt your struggle. Yeah, and you saw my normal struggle. Right. Yeah. <laughs> my normal struggle was like I don't know. Um, <laughs> what did you bring this week? I'm gonna start us with Floor and their song "Song for Eris."
yeah, I talk about my made-up genre of like Thunder Pop or Sunshine Sludge. Uh, so I figured now's as good a time as any to defend, you know, what it is I love so much about bands with this particular sound. Uh, I usually define it as being really heavy riffs, oftentimes tuned really low and really heavy, doomy drums, with lots of melodic singing and catchy poppy bits thrown in. Uh, although there are, you know, lots of bands that blended heavy and softer sounds through the decades, I'd say Floor is probably one of the first bands to really master and put forth what I'd call Sunshine Sludge. Uh, heavy music kind of had to progress in a certain direction where the guitars were tuned low and played slow and sludgy. And naturally, vocals in heavy music tended to just get more growly and more shouty. Uh, but not a lot of bands held true to like the melodic vocals that defined a lot of 70s and 80s heavy metal. And Floor's melodic vocals are definitely much different than any of those bands, but at the heart of their mission statement seems to be a love of those melodies that just like leave you singing and humming along in your head for the rest of the day after you hear it. And I'm just fascinated by their ability to like juxtapose this really heavy, sludgy sounding music bed with melodic vocals and really musical guitar solos that like emphasize musicality over technicality. And like if you can crush me with your riffs and still leave me singing along like a memorable melody, that just impresses me way more than just like aimless guitar shredding and like breakneck riffs. I don't know. I would have liked them to have more of the ohm. Yeah, more of the ohms. That's definitely it, that's one of their, the things I love the most about this song. There's like only, I guess it's the only like cookie monster vocals in that. Is it even count? Because That's really, not cookie monster vocals. Because it's, it's just not. A, uh, right, yeah. It's, it's more a ohm. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you're like getting closer to right, yeah. like chill. I, so you made up sun, Sunshine Sludge Thunder Pop? Yeah, I, I remember someone described Torch, which is the band that came after Floor. Which uh, you almost went with. Yeah, I did almost <laughs> go with some Torch. I decided to go back to the floor. But someone described them as Thunder Pop, and I always liked that. And then from, from hearing Thunder Pop, I, I liked Sunshine Sludge. I thought that was another. So it's that one's the one that I, I actually came up with myself, although I'm sure somebody else called it that. But I, I like Thunder it. Pop I like a lot, too. I was wondering if like there was like a whole genre that I could like search by looking up Sunshine yeah. Sludge. Yeah. I'm sure that like your YouTube... like. I definitely have a Spotify playlist that's Thunder Pop and Sunshine Sludge. (laughs) Okay. Well, I was certainly super excited to see what you would pick because you were the definition of finding the bright side of any and every genre except for that one song. Yeah. Um, So, like, I didn't know if you were going to go with something that was completely off the wall and everybody hated or to find something that we all need to know and we don't really know. And you went with the latter because, like, yeah, I guess when people think of heavy metal. Yeah. They either think of like kind of, I guess, Metallica. Sure. Or Jethro Tull. <laughs> and um, then, you know. Yeah, from there it just gets even heavier and more crazy. Most more, most people think of it as really aggressive. And you can't really tell what they're saying. Yeah, exactly. And I felt like you could actually sing along to this one. Exactly. And you actually look forward to the home part. Yeah. There's like somehow the way that they put that in there it's just something joyous perfect. it's like the perfect explanation of i guess like that bright vocal har- uh, melodies that you're talking about and like that rainy sounds so i thought i think that's like a perfect explanation of it seeing as i did not necessarily, yeah, you didn't know exactly what it was yeah i knew it was heavy but not heavy does that make sense yeah sure yeah uh, and this week, I decided to bring Born and Der Club of Gore, Solen Estoch Alla Wissen.
probably the possibly the slowest possible song I could have ever come with. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, so there's this website that I peruse and like, uh, it's usually how I find something on a subject and they also break things down by genre. So I was like, okay, what am I like chilling with lately? And I've been listening to this like Apple music radio, like jazz, Mm -hmm. like, hip-hop jazz actually and i was like well i kind of want to go into like exploring this whole jazz like genre because there's so many versions of jazz and so i was scrolling through and it said dark jazz and i was like what the hell is dark jazz and um this is the same genre as the twin twin peaks soundtrack yeah so uh, uh, what's that guy's name yeah it starts that's a lot of somebody Man. It starts with a B. I'm going to remember it as soon as you get them talking. <laughs> yeah. And so this one is the like one of the highest rated by critics. Angelo uh, Badalamenti. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> it took me just a second. Yeah. But um, seeing as I have been slapping on the like the jazz like radio on Apple Music, I felt kind of the need for some sort of jazz. And this definitely like poked out. Um, <laughs> from the YouTube commenter, Servetus Sothlos Third, I guess. Uh I sure as hell didn't expect this. A touch more, how do I put it, optimistic, but still macabre enough. First of all, apparently this sounded optimistic. And mm-hmm. this was okay enough, macabre. <laughs> or macabre. macabre. But um, I know Twin Peaks is, and I just, you know, it made me feel like I am sitting in like a David Lynch like cafe. Yeah, definitely very Lynchian. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this episode's going to deal in a lot of those genres that kind of sit in the undefined purgatories between more popular and recognizable styles. Like mine was between heavy music and poppy music. And yours is kind of between jazz and like sort of classic doom metal, actually. Like, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. The, the doomy influence isn't like instantaneously all that prominent. And it's not unheard of for jazz to be kind of sad and dreary sometimes. Uh, but this band definitely elicits a sense of ominousness yes uh, o- ominosity i don't know just it sounds really <laughs> ominous in a way that jazz usually doesn't and it's just a few clicks slower than even like the saddest of like more mainstream jazz which also hints at, at that influence from like classic doom metal where they take these dirgy sounding guitar riffs and they like slow them down even more to make them even darker and more grief stricken uh, and this band just kind of adds something novel to the form without straying too far from the jazzy roots and that's kind of a tough mark to hit without sounding too conspicuous or self-indulgent. I think they do it well. Yeah. What's that little, like, you know, there's like the metal-y thing that they hit against the cymbals? Uh, a metal-y thing against the cymbals. It's like a brush. Oh, yeah. The brushes. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. They're using brushes in, I, in the song. Yeah. Look, I look. Do you like my technical term? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the metally thing that hits the cymbals. I mean, it is metal, right? It is. Yeah, wire brushes and made a little metal wires in there. Let's go. Do you have some of those? I do. Of course. I appreciate that during your your selection, mm-hmm. you were playing the drum. Yeah, I always air drum and like playing <laughs> playing air guitar along to these songs. It's it's pretty awesome. Um, so I don't think we had like a. Uh, too difficult of a time for folks to fend and stuff. No, uh, we actually had quite a few s- submissions and from people that don't often get a chance to to yeah. butt in. So I'm glad we got some new folks this week. And I especially like all the stories. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so Courtney brings us uh, Hatsune Miku's Rolling Girl. <laughs>
says, I don't listen to anything that's too out there. However, my son's favorite genre is Japanese Vocaloid, and this is one of the two that I think are most accessible. accessible. A lot of it reminds me of the happy hardcore from the late 90s. First of all, I can almost hear like popular pop, like American samples in this. Yeah. Uh, it, so there's this one song called Paper Gangster mm-hmm. by uh, Lady Gaga or Paper Gangster. Paper Gangster. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Paper Gangster. Paper Gangster. Um, the piano riffs, I felt like, are a sped up version in this one. It's so fast paced, and although I have no idea what the theme is, I'm pretty sure it's really intense and fast and like poppy and happy uh there's so much variation within the song and like even that little skip i think that's intentional it is yeah yeah so it, it's like kind of crazy to um kind of listen to that and you're like well is is it meant to be like that yeah like catches you off guard make sure you're paying attention yeah definitely yeah so so hatsune miku is the name of a vocaloid program which means it's a digital voice designed to sound like a real human wait voice. this isn't a human correct oh okay. yeah this is a computer program doing all that singing I, oh no, they've become us. Yeah, and so uh, <laughs> it, it also means that the name Hatsune Miku is attached to a vast array of like musical style styles where various composers and producers have used the Hatsune Miku voice on their tracks. And most of what you'll hear is usually a lot poppier and more mellow than this. So I was really surprised to hear that this one's like much heavier and much more intense. Um, musically, if you replace the synths and pianos with like distorted guitars, it probably sound a lot like an Iron Maiden song. And like the vocal melodies almost sound like the sort of thing that you'd hear in like screamo or like more melodic metalcore. So if you're into heavier music, this actually has kind of a similar construction to a lot of that sort of stuff. And I think that sort of dichotomy might be a pretty popular one in Japan with bands like Baby Metal. It sounds so uh, cute. Yeah, getting a lot of attention for mixing like the really bubblegummy pop sensibility with something heavier and more frantic sounding. Uh, I looked up the the English translation of the lyrics, uh, and it actually seems to be pretty dark. The lyrics are about like depression and loneliness and feeling lost, uh, which is a pretty stark contrast to the sort of themes you might expect to hear in like a J-pop song. So for no other reason than that, you know, like the way it subverts what I would have expected, I'm definitely on board for some Hatsune Miku. I was thinking it was like all about bubblegum. Yeah, no, this is, uh, and even the video is like a very dark sounding I totally didn't. Uh, dark, a, a dark looking video and uh, lots I, of depressive themes happening. Yeah, like I didn't check out the video. That's okay. I was like, I, I don't know why I didn't, but it seems so happy, like a roller derby. <laughs> it sounded like roller derby to Definitely me. Definitely high energy. Yeah, very high energy. Um, Jacques this week brings White House's <laughs> wriggle like a fucking eel. Sorry, Mom. 
Shock says um, power electronics is a hard sell and a lot of it's right wing misogynist or just silly edgelord stuff. White House invented the genre though and their best work is worth a listen. I love the song and clipping sampled it for a great single just called Wriggle. This is not the Wiggles. It's not the Wiggles. <laughs> that's not, for sure. Um, I would call this like noise. Sure. Okay. Um, I almost want it to be a dance move. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah or like my dad used to say you're wriggly like a, a worm in hot ashes i don't know if you're yeah, no, I've never you know, heard okay that, one. that it was common in my house which i've said that before and everybody's like whoa what did you do to worms yeah. but um you know he's he's very certainly upset for sure and probably british yeah i'm definitely hearing a british yeah there's like a british accent and what i've learned is i need to straighten up and fly right i know because like he's very upset and definitely upset in class because i'm like chewing gum or something and he's the professor who just really just like lost his mind because i did something absolutely heinous in class yeah so so first of all i'll apologize to my mother who listens to the podcast who just had to listen to that sorry mom um, sorry. yeah I, I don't think it's hard to imagine why Jacques would say that this is a hard sell uh it's it's noisy it's, it's atonal hilarious, uh, it's angry doesn't have any real moments of traditional musicality uh you said something about it being like a dance move i think i read on genius that this was sort of his response to the dance songs that like tell you what to do and how to dance. And I've always hated those. So I totally relate to that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, most of our listeners probably wouldn't even consider this remotely listenable. I could totally see the appeal to people that are into progressive and transgressive music. Uh, I saw a comment on the YouTube video that I think summed it up pretty well saying essentially, you know, metal bands spend months or years practicing scales and writing these insanely complex guitar riffs to express their anger, or, like to elicit that sense of darkness and evil. And then someone like white house comes along and just mashes some buttons on a drum machine and screams some uncomfortable truths and accomplishes that chaos in a way that, you know, no other metal band could. And probably more surprising is that, like, the chaotic noise that we're hearing is probably actually pretty difficult or at least very tedious to program. Uh, It's noise, but it's very carefully organized noise, lots of layers and sounds interplaying with one another. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what Homeboy's hollering about, but I do know he's pissed off. And considering his music, I'd guess part of what he's pissed off is pop music. And boy, he clapped back at that, didn't he? Uh, yeah, prob- probably not something I'd put on for enjoyment very often, but I'm definitely adding it to my collection for when that moment hits and I need to hear something just like completely untethered from earthly musicality. Like when something does, like something incredibly stupid and tedious happens at work and right, you're just yeah. like lose your mind yeah and my fuse is blown and i just go off yeah like he definitely he sounds broken but i'm sorry i started laughing yeah i really apologize if you can hear it over the music i'm sorry there's something about his untethered anger that is absolutely hilarious i don't know what that says about me (laughs) so yeah sorry everybody um also the part where he's just repeating the same thing over and over again just makes me laugh i don't know i'm sorry sorry mitchell's mom (laughs) (laughs) um uh, xantha brings xanthi sorry sorry, brings mumford and sons laura marling and darar darahar projects uh mehindi rachi Perhaps I'll be a bird one day if I'm good enough And I'll spread out and fly away and give up all the stars And 
I am from a country land where beauty only grows And no, I love to leave someday, I dare not ever go And should you see my sisters, they are small and gold They will not hear a word you say, they don't believe it so Never, uh, says never gave Indian music a try always thought Bumper and Sons were a bunch of folky posers well check out this collaboration with singer-songwriter princess Laura Marling Mumford and Sons and the Indian group Darahar Project sounds better the second time I try go. yeah I got it and prepare for your mind to be blown this song will put a smile on uh, my face every damn time and that's a, I think that's the point it's so very bright indeed it's so bright and she had me at Mumford and Sons I am I don't care what anyone says. I like them because they make me happy. And mm-hmm. um, they do make curse words sound absolutely enjoyable. Sure. They're so precious. Um, it has a very amazing intro, which is like pure Indian kind yeah, of I chanting. Like it's, it's, I don't know if it's based off a of folk song or anything like that, but it's very beautiful. She's, uh, Laura starts out kind of as a uh, talking about these very ascetic um kind of spiritual themes talking about being a bird um, maybe i'll be a bird one day and then uh saying that her family doesn't believe in souls mm-hmm. and i thought it was very interesting um it's just i i'm just known to like mumford and sons so they definitely did like this really great merge with like indian music because you get like the indian you know aesthetics coming out but also you know a mandolin is mm-hmm. like rolling up in there and i just it makes it extremely present uh pleasant and enjoyable yeah i'll admit that i had totally written off mumford and sons mainly mainly because what i had heard before was just all pretty generic sounding indie folk and i just thought there were other bands that were doing that in ways that were a bit more unique and progressive instead of just like really safe and really homogenous like most of what i've heard from mumford and sons i'm definitely way more into this and honestly a little surprised that a collaboration like this exists you know i'm a huge fan of indian music and like their instrumentation uh they use lots of really unique modes and scales that aren't really common in western music also tend to use a lot of really complex rhythms and time shifts that don't occur in western music very often as well Uh, and i think this song is an excellent marriage of like that beauty of indian musicality with a calmer and more accessible sound of like the poppy americana uh, and there are two sounds that I wouldn't really expect to blend very well, but they managed to find a really great middle ground here. It's very beautiful and calming, but also a bit dynamic and cinematic as well, which makes you know makes it far more exciting and listenable <laughs> than anything else that I've heard from from Mumford and Son. I think I do like that safe and homogenous music. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. And like I said, we we've already talked about pop music and its place in the in the world, but. I don't know. I just there's other bands that are a bit more exciting to me. I think you've talked about them too, and you've brought them before. So and Mumford and Sons. No, 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 not Mumford and oh. Sons. But like you talked about the fact that there's other indie, yeah, like Americana. Fleet Foxes, and yeah, things which, like that. I mean, I think that's because it's more abstract. Sure. Certainly, like what they're talking about, the lyrics are not at all obvious. Sure. So yeah, 
I I like it, but also can we just like give major props because they are using Indian instruments? Yeah, I'm, at I'll, the same I'll definitely time. give them uh give them some credit where it's due here with that yeah. song because you, they're built on different scales. Mm-hmm. So and Lord knows I don't understand the other. I I only know the Western scale. Sure. And trying to reinforce that with my daughter, it must be mind blowing to know the like. More yeah, Eastern scales, sure. which is how you get those really cool sounds as well. So, um, moving on, uh, Justin W. brings Southern culture on the skids. Whole lot of things. W says, here's a vote for mid-90s alternative rockabilly revival. In no way is it shocking, because I believe Justin W. plays a lot of rockabilly occasionally when he hosts stuff. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, granted, I'm thinking about like when he was hosting stuff down at the tavern, downtown yeah, tavern. Yeah, many moons ago at this point. Yeah, I, like a decade. I used to hang out at downtown tavern yeah. a lot, like a lady. Um, but it also reminds me of Wednesdays at the Front Page Deli in Clarksville, Tennessee, because they had Americana-based music. And, you know, although rockabilly is not Americana necessarily, mm-hmm. it is, you know, some of the same instrumentation, some of the same right. beats. Um, kind of comes from the same place, but added with, was it like some jazz or like... Yeah, know? they use a stand-up bass and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's uh, it's just jaunty it's got good tempo. I like the timing. <laughs> and uh, also, I also have a whole lot of things to do. So I can just um, agree with the sentiment because there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. And I'm always, uh, well, there's a lot to do. And I used to always be broke. Yeah. Not, now now I have reasonable hobbies that don't cost lots of money. Now you have lots to do and no time to spend the money that you have. Right. So I'm now- just like, <laughs> I just want to sleep now all the yeah. time. Yeah. No, so the the 90s were a very strange time, but I think they kind of served us well when it comes to musical experimentation and like resurrecting the musical forms that came before and bringing them back, you know, uh, really true to their original form, but just presented through the lens of, of you know, the, the lens and production of modernity. Uh, the song does have a very classic rockabilly sound, but the lyrics are a tad bit more ostentatious, a bit more risque than anything you'd hear in classic rockability, rockabilly. And there's this cool like tremolo rotary effect on the guitar that adds, you know, a more novel tonality to the sound of the guitar that still fits in well with like a classic country and rockabilly sound Uh, by itself. Nothing too groundbreaking. But I think revisiting classic forms is like a great way to revitalize that creative force in the musical landscape. And that mid 90s rockabilly revival not only fed into the revival of swing and like the jazzy big band type stuff, but also fed into the punk subculture, which bred psycho Billy (laughs) And even like the hipster garage rock kids all went through a rockabilly phase in the late 90s and early 2000s, which influenced a lot of the Goner Records style garagey punk bands. 
So even though I'm not super into the pure rockabilly revival, it's definitely, you know, its influence is definitely undeniable. I mean, we could start like rolling your t-shirts and like. Yeah, your- roll up a, a cigarette pack in my, in yeah, my shirt and then, sleeves well, and grease my hair back. and. These aren't shorts, but we could no. definitely put a cuff in these. Yeah, we can cuff these pants. These and cargo pants. Come on, cargo pants with oh, cuffs. Oh, man. I would get kicked out of the rockabilly club so fast. Why? I don't think they like cargo pants. You got to wear jeans and can look cool you make, and look like, like a greaser or whatever. Doom rockabilly. I mean, there's there's a possibility I can make this work. You can make sunshine sludge. Part of the rockabilly thing is it's got to be fast, and so how do we slow it down to be doomy but still maintain? It can be done. I believe you. I mean, any if you think about just like maybe using like that medieval dirge thing going on, right? And you could just maybe double time the vocals yeah i, I mean, don't know my, my mom told me i can do anything i set my mind to and so exactly. i think if we really try we'll figure <laughs> it out sunshine sludgeability right i'm excited about it uh will k brings nothing nowhere's hammer emo trap defense here i'm pretty sure he's defended emo trap before yeah yeah so um you don't have to defend emo trap it defends itself and i love it so much (laughs) um there's just like very fat sounds Mm -hmm. underneath this very upbeat rapping uh it's hilarious that they name dropped bernie sanders also sorry to mitchell's mom again there's a lot of curse words in this one (laughs) i apologize i was not the one who chose everything but either way (laughs) you're gonna throw me under the bus okay (laughs) it's like that i didn't realize it was that kind of show amy all right sorry i was sleeping (laughs) um but either way have you met an emo kid that doesn't love bernie sanders no they all seem to love Bernie. they all love bernie sanders and there's like also a a nod to straight edge like without a building clout for sobriety yeah you're right yeah so I, i i appreciate that because you know hardcore and emo was like early 2000s mm-hmm. i don't know if it still is what? is it like still all about like straight edge oh yeah like hardcore is definitely still real straight edge yeah but i still know like hardcore people that y- used to be straight edge and like yeah most t- of turn the 22 yeah a lot of the old straight edge heads have have broke edge as they say broke edge and drank coffee and yeah. liquor and stuff i think but you know they still make the good music right Indeed. yeah so i i just i love it so much isn't it so fun it is pretty fun and i want to hate it so bad (laughs) if i'm being honest but like if you look and listen objectively you kind of have to respect it for what it is and like for trying to be a little bit different 
you know, hip hop artists have pulled samples and textures from a huge array of genres and styles from like funk and jazz, classic rock and disco. And producers are always trying to find fresh material to mine from and like fresh approaches to that hip hop aesthetic. In the 2000s, there was a huge uptick in the more ambient style hip hop, a lot more contemplative and introspective than what came before, which was usually a bit harder and more aggressive. And that more chilled out style kind of branched off in a lot of ways itself. And one of them was this emo and pop punk kids, you know, dipping their toe into the waters of hip hop and bringing the sadder themes and that stark sincerity from the emo culture, but riddling it with like some of the classic tropes of hip hop, like being on your grind, you know, gaining a following on your own with no promoter or record label behind you, putting in the work for the sake of the art and the love of the game. Or another example is that trope that, you know, people don't want anything to do with you when you're nobody you get made fun of in high school, but when once you're doing something cool and inspiration inspirational with your life you know everybody wants to be your buddy and they all suddenly love to tell all their friends hey i went to high school with that guy and they basically ignore that dude in high school you know so so emo trap may not be everyone's cup of tea but i think as an exploration of that like fusion between hip-hop and like sad white boy music <laughs> uh, emo traps are really interesting stepping stone and like the growth and progress of both emo and hip-hop styles so is 21 pilots I don't know if you'd consider them emo trap, but they're definitely like they definitely are emo, coming from some yeah, part emo of that. dance maybe or like emo synth yeah pop or something. You got the sad boy right, and you got some beats to it. Yeah, but there's also a lot of like trumpet exploration yeah. going on. So I wonder which came first. Yeah. I'm sure if I could, I'm sure if I just researched any little <laughs> bit, I could have figured that one out, but I did not. So we're going to move on to the next selection, which is uh, Wayne's Gridlink Constant says grindcore fan here grindcore can be as artistic as any other subgenre of metal um so you know how you're always talking about cookie monster vocals mm -hmm. this is not cookie monster vocals no no i want to call them splat vocals because sure, it I'll sounds go. like they're splatting against the wall as they're coming at you sure. like you're dodging them no like, I, I call you. them like uh like banshee vocals or something banshee like, okay yeah. I, I can see that um it's definitely like yeah, I, I totally see like the splatting against the wall thing. Yeah, yeah, so there's some definite variation going on, and it's not just like uh, a wall of sounds. Mm -hmm. There's some definite stuff going on. I couldn't point at exactly what it is. Sure. There's some transitions definitely like mindfully put together, but as said, there's just so much going on, it's hard for me to like define it. Yeah, this is, this is definitely much more artistic and unique than most of the grindcore that I've listened to. 
Um, your standard by the numbers grindcore is usually just like aimless blast beats and like needlessly erratic guitar noise, oftentimes cringy edgelord lyrics. Uh, but this song kind of defies all of that. You know, instead of the aimless riffing, Gridlink's painting that sonic landscape with really colorful chords and rhythms that are complex and progressive enough to keep you on your toes, but not so erratic that you never really find the groove. Uh, in fact, this band, in, in a way that few other grind bands really emulate, seems to make very careful use of like locking you into a groove or a motif for just long enough for your brain to settle and then throwing you that perfect curveball that you have no way of preparing for, but it still like leaves you impressed with how deftly they got it past you. And they just continuously take you through those moments of like misdirecting you and then blowing your mind. Uh, I'll admit that uh, other than a handful of bands like Discordance Axis, Pig Destroyer, I'd kind of given up on Grindcore, but this Gridlink song has me itching to kind of dig back in and see what I've been missing. So Grindcore, when did it come out? Uh, Grind is from like mid-80s, I think, is like when it really started to take shape. And then by the mid-90s, a lot of the like big hard or uh, Grindcore bands were, you know, several albums in by that point. Okay. Like Pig Destroyer. Yeah, Pig Destroyer is a big one. Yeah. I know that happens I've, to be one of Wayne's favorite bands, if I, I recall. I've heard that name before, yeah. so... I, I don't know. I guess I like I knew kind of what grindcore was, but mm -hmm. it's so like so like big. Sure. So, but it's nice to know that there is like stuff that is like a lot more intricate than you think it is. Yeah, and 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 also a lot of their songs are like a minute long, and so it's because it's, it's exhausting. Can, yeah, exactly. These people are tired. Like <laughs> I bet they're all skinny boys too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they're 100%. like all very very skinny. So. Um, there's no way to like keep up with the calories that yeah, they sure. are required to play this music. It seems very hard. But if you have some opinions on uh, genres, definitely shout them out on the Twitchers. You can tweet at us. I'm at Pow I Gotcha. And I'm at Madam Woolite. The show is at Andy Pod. All of the songs that were submitted this week are Earbuds and Earworms podcast group on the Facebook. You can call the show... 731-400-BUDS or 731-400-2837. You can email the show, andypod at gmail.com, and you can always find us, andypod.com, part of the 10710 network, which is growing, and seriously, uh, the beverage minute, a lot of hot takes going on. Oh, yeah? Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you can always have just a pile of brothers <laughs> right. on Try to Podcast, right. and this show has everything, has everything, and very much focused on the Oscars lately. Interesting. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, Nerd Out Loud, Nerd Out Loud, the first of the 1017 The OG. Songs. The OG, finally making shows again. I'm excited. What's our final song uh, this week? <coughs> So uh, I'm going to actually leave us with Lum's pick from this week. Uh, he brought a song from a band called Fixation, and their song is called Black Clouds. Uh, we had several folks this week who, who don't post very often, so I wanted to make sure to include their submissions in the show this week. But in doing so, I kind of had to edge out a really great submission from Lum. Uh, he usually stays pretty involved and gets featured pretty regularly, so I want to get those other folks. But since he wrote such a nice blurb for his submission, and it's only like a minute and 20 seconds long, it seemed a shame not to include it. So we're going to close it out with his submission and his words. Uh, Lum says... This was tough for me. Not only did I have to pick a song to exemplify a genre, I had to choose from a nigh-infinite number of genres, subgenres, scenes, etc. In the end, I suppose it was inevitable that I would choose hardcore for this endeavor. Of course it is, Lum. Uh, I will, I will, or I have and will continue to proselytize the greatness of the core to anyone that will listen for two plus decades. It's helped shape who I am as a person. Through hardcore, my eyes were open to so many issues and injustices in, in our society. Hardcore is one of the most important things in my life. 
Narrowing down the song was tough. As the genre, hardcore has been around for over 40 years, and there are numerous songs from tons of bands that I could have chosen. There are countless classics that have stood the test of time and are still relevant today, but I decided to go a different direction. Philadelphia hardcore band Fixation released this track just today as a promo for their forthcoming EP on War Records. I've listened to it at least 20 times a day. This is hardcore. No confusion, no wondering, no questioning, no doubts, no middle ground, no metal. The defense rests. Here's Fixation in their song Black Clouds. Dig it. Do you want 